Oh my god, we're talking about X-Men. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast where we talk about all the newest books in the X-Men line. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by the juking and jiving. The vax to the motherfucking max. My name is Josh. That's <laughs> Fully right, vax, Josh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I got my second shot just this morning. So coming in with a lot of uh, I'm going to live energy today. <laughs> <laughs> i'm never gonna die i'm never, never gonna die i that's what they told me when i got that vaccine they said this will keep you alive conservatively 900 years oh okay. so, that's pretty nice. that's, that's yeah, considerate yeah. yeah i'm not getting my last shot my second shot until next month sometime um but until then while you're that, partying you're i getting, will be reading you're getting your vaccination and we'll have enough time for it to fully take effect in time for my birthday player. Oh, we got to okay. do it. We got to do it. We got it up. It. We got to do it up. All right. That's going to be fun. Um, before we get into it, What's up, Josh, man? I heard we have a review. Do you have oh, a new we, review? We do. We, uh, for some reason, uh, somebody likes us. Another person Yay. left us a, 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 a incredibly nice review. Sorry, I'm stalling because I thought I had it pulled up, but I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> You had one job. Let's let's be honest. You have most of the jobs. I have one job. <laughs> let's be honest. You have one job. <laughs> <laughs> and I barely do that. <laughs> and you barely do that. Okay, here we go. So we uh, over the weekend, somebody left us, somebody named Starbucks Attic TM, love that, right. um, left us a review, which always looking forward, it's called the title, always looking forward to X time. Love that. Nice. Nicely done, person who wrote this. So- they wrote five stars. I appreciate the blunt honesty shared by these two. Everything from their state of minds. Um, let me tell you right now, my state of mind, I'm going to live. <laughs> to their favorite characters, <laughs> they love to rag on. It's a fun, non-intimidating conversation about current upcoming X books. Parenthetically, I also like your throwback episodes to older X books. Is Inferno in your future? Funny you should ask about well. Inferno. <laughs> Nick, was it? In the year of our Lord 2019, yes. I, I gifted you something, did I not? Did uh, it, it's a giant book I have in front of me. <laughs> I believe it is X Men Milestones edition of Inferno. What? Yes. So, in honor of you, addicted to Starbucks, I think our next single comic or single story episode will be in. No, might be a two-parter it's a pretty thick book it, it, it's a pretty thick book i will need you because inferno as as longtime x-men fans will know inferno um it kind of goes on for years <laughs> there's not really a, a clear delineation to when inferno ends really um so i will need you to tell me what is collected in that book and then we'll just cover that we'll cover the, we'll cover the milestone version of inferno because that will have probably the 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 main takeaways and all the goblin queen stuff and and all that all that good shit all the sinister but you don't have to tell me now you can tell me later yeah I'll, i can let you look at what this book contains okay well 
Do you see any of that? Uh, barely. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Meeting adjourned. Meeting adjourned. It was a great, great <laughs> podcast this day. Um, we did a good one. It's a real short episode today. <laughs> but so thank you for the awesome. review. Thank you. Yes. I, I feel like I say this all the time. I, I truly do not understand, but am so honored when people say that listening to our podcast is like hanging out with people and like like being around friends or having a group that they can listen to talk about X-Men books in a way that doesn't feel like the the stereotypical hanging out at the comic shop and like intimidating everything in, in gatekeeping. You know what I mean? Like I, I really, I really appreciate that. That is what we want this podcast to be. Comic shops like, is there a is there a delay? Because I feel like it's taking you a long time to respond to me. <laughs> no, see, I'm trying to let other people talk. Okay. Wow. Right? When did you, when did you do that? I don't know. When did I'm you start doing out. that? I'm trying it out. We'll see so, how long it lasts. So in your couples therapy session, you finally learned that you do that. An hour couples therapy that we had. <laughs> Bucky, Bucky and uh, Sam when style. You, yeah, when you and I went to couples therapy and we went up dick to dick in the chairs. Yeah, we just of course. dick to dick. Before um, she asked. she Yeah, she didn't ask. We were like, listen, no, this no. is the only part of our relationship that works. So, <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm loving that show right now. I can't wait to see what happens in the finale. I'm, okay, so I wasn't super sold on it until like the last episode, maybe. Mm-hmm. The last couple, maybe. But like, it, it's been pretty fucking hokey as far as I'm, I'm concerned for the All subject right. matter they're covering. Um, but they finally seem to like start moving away a little bit from the hokiness and, and really like give the subject matter they're covering the the weight and, and and discretion it deserves so well mild spoilers for what's happening in the show but i really loved how they've covered everything just because it's essentially this is a long movie like wandavision was a tv show 100%. and you could break it down like a show yeah but falcon winter soldier is a six-hour movie it is and i, I think it probably would probably so, benefit Eat our dick, Zack Snyder. (laughs) It's a it probably benefit from being a straight to streaming, like just here's all the episodes at once. Like people who are gonna binge this, I think might like it a little more. I might, yeah, I might do that again just to get like a full effect of it. Yeah. And I've I've loved how hateable uh John Walker has been Mm -hmm. as the new Captain America. I loved last episode and the let's say somewhat ending of his run as Captain America. Yeah, I'd say that came to an end. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I can't remember the last time my jaw was on the floor for a Marvel show or movie. Mm-hmm. But the moment from two weeks ago with John Walker and Miller Terrace. Count, count to 15. <laughs> okay, go. Uh, the, the moment where he possibly decapitated a man in front of everyone. Do we know like, for sure if he just bashed his skull in or if he took his head off? I don't know. And the image of like the upshot of blood on the shield like my mouth was completely open i didn't know what to think or feel and then it just ends i'm like Mm -hmm. this show did it that was the moment it needed and then and what i love most though because marvel not known for their subtlety um they made sure in the next episode that you saw that blood soaked shield a million fucking times. They yeah. drove that shit home yeah. to the point of like, okay, I get it, dude. Yeah. But then, you know, they also 
brutally broke his arm in that one shot God, dude, during they, that fight. And I love how they're they're weaving in these moments that happen in other Captain America movies. Like this was basically the Civil War fight, but in a different context. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. They've done that a lot. Like they've had scenes and they even use music to that. Like they use evil Winter Soldier music for the uh, scenes where Walker was going crazy. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, they've done little subtle things like that. And I, as a whole, I've liked it. Like the backstory we're getting with um, mm-hmm. Isaiah Bradley has been fantastic. Oh, God. Good. Fucking there God. has to be a flashback because that actor isn't that old. Like they use old makeup on that. Yeah, actor. yeah, yeah. They, pr- they, yeah. They, if they're if they're aging him up for that reason, there's got there's got to be there's got to be either a flashback or they might make like a show or something where it's like the younger like his adventures or whatever. Yeah, something know? because yeah I, i've seen the actor he was in supergirl and also he was the voice the original voice of martian manhunter in the animated oh, series interesting i did not know that that's really cool yeah. um one of the things i did like and this is a spoiler for the last episode i believe right when when sam goes to talk to isaiah alone yeah. okay so spoiler one two three four five so um <laughs> when he is relaying the story of how they rewarded him for his act of bravery by going and, and saving the people, the POWs, and they put him in jail. Like, I love that because that is a, an exact parallel to the first Captain America movie. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you can see the, you can literally go watch that scene and see the difference from how they treated Steve Rogers, white boy Steve Rogers, for doing what he did yeah. versus what they did to, to Isaiah for doing literally the same exact thing. And you get why in, in that scene, you immediately understand why he's bitter. Yeah. Why he says, like, no one, a black man will never be accepted as Captain America, and a self respecting black man wouldn't be Captain America. That and part. the moment that happened, I was like, ooh, Sam, how are you going to handle I know. That part, handle that one. <laughs> that part, like, that is when I realized, oh, we're going to get back to Hokey again because Sam's going to do it anyway. And it's going to be a feel-good story about the promise of America or some bullshit. Well, like that. I do. I like the idea of making a character like, well, you can't let another black man define what it meant for you. He grew up literally in a different time, that is where true. different things happened. He has a different experiences than you. So, like, I like that it puts Sam in another tight spot of like what he feels and believes. How he knows he can't trust the government because what they just did was immediately give it to the wrong person. And doing right by his friend. Like, there was a lot of moments. And some people feel like the show gets heavy-handed. But oh, when I see so many people not understand the scene between Bucky and Sam, where Sam or Bucky flat out said, hey, me and Steve didn't realize what it's like for a black man to become Captain America. So many people online hated that scene because they thought it felt too woke. And I'm like, that this is the point. <laughs> Like this is, if that scene was even a little subtle, it would just went over a lot of dumb people's heads. Yeah, no, it it, but especially that scene. There are there that that's honestly the least of the the heavy handedness that I, like a lot that, of people last we were talking about that scene saying how it, it doesn't make any sense that he would say that. Like it does make sense. Yeah, it makes it does. perfect sense. He fucking lived in Wakanda. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like he's he's kind of like been immersed and can see like wow, there really is two different fucking worlds for people. Especially for a guy who was raised in the 40s and then <laughs> lived in Wakanda. Yeah, no, I, I, I think having, having Bucky say to him, I'm sorry that I didn't realize 
what an important thing this would be or, or how it would be received or, or what, what it would mean for a black man to keep that shield. Like, I think that's important because honestly, like that, I would expect no less from a living person who didn't have a script in front of them. You know what I mean? Like that's something that you should just do if one of your dear friends who I know he doesn't want to admit it, but he's a dear friend Yeah. <laughs> or, or a mutual friend of a dear friend was, <laughs> was put in that situation and you helped put them in that situation. I think you, yeah, he owed him an apology. He was for the first, what, five episodes, he was giving him grief. Yeah. You know, like he owed him an apology now that he understands why that's a big fucking deal. Well, I like that Sam has that I like kind of idealistic personality of like, we can do better, but also you can't live your life having other people tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. And I love that because he's talking to Bucky about it, but also it means the same to him too. Yeah. Like you can't let anyone dictate your choices. It's, it's what you choose, which means we're going to have to have a terrible, sad scene where he tells that old Japanese man yeah, what happened to his son. That it's going to happen. Gonna be, I'm going to be bawling my eyes out. Yeah. That's going to be a real tough scene. Um, anyway, back to anyway. X Men talk. Madripoor was in there for a second. So, I didn't like it. I didn't like seeing Madripoor. You didn't no like way. the John Wick nightclub, but as no. a city? No, I didn't. I didn't like Neon Madripoor. So funny thing about that, the first thing I thought when I saw that was, oh, it's a good John Wick nightclub. The writer of the episode is one of the writers from John Wick. Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. He has a style, yeah. Yeah, clearly. He's got an aesthetic and he's sticking with it. Uh, but I didn't mind it. it. It felt dirty enough. Yeah, I mean... And that was low town. There's high town, and you know Sharon Carter is definitely the power broker, by the way. But that's a, another thing. Oh yeah, one hundred percent, hundred percent, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I, it's fine. It's whatever. It's fine. There's room to change, anyway. Like there's still parts of it you can say, hey, we only saw one. Yeah, we saw time city. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty more you can see. So and and it could change too. Like if something happens with the power broker, and then like things change in in low town, and then it looks different. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Anyway, we have another live action thing we were going to talk about too. We do. Yeah, there was a, a a movie released digitally. That we were oh, doing. I tried wiping from my mind. Now I remember you talking about now. Oh, um, fucking was dare. it lizard versus monkey? Lizard versus monkey. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. Or also known as my baby boy versus that dumb monkey. Um, <laughs> Listeners, if you guys don't know, if you're, if you're mentioned in the pod before, Josh loves anything to do with Godzilla. Oh, I'm a huge Kaju fan. I yeah. fucking love Godzilla. I love most Kaju movies. Colossal. If, if you haven't seen Colossal with Anne Colossal's Hathaway, good. Yeah, Colossal good. is an amazing Kaju movie that does not get the respect it deserves for that. Um, but anyway... Godzilla versus Kong. I finally watched it. And I will say as a Godzilla fan, not as a movie, go- like did the plot make sense? Of course not. Did any, like, <laughs> did any, like, you know, like from a did writing literally stand- anything in the movie? No, nothing. But like, what do you, it's a fucking big lizard versus a big monkey movie, you know, like what's going to make sense anyway. But I fucking loved every second of it. I, it was honestly one of the best movie experiences I've had in so fucking long. Maybe I'm going to take Parasite out of it because Parasite was such a, like, I didn't know the twist in Parasite before, you know? So like, that was such like a, oh, fuck. 
but I'd say since Thor Ragnarok, I have not had this like, oh my God, that was so fucking fun All right. at, at watching a movie. And, and I get it. I'm a Godzilla fan. You know what I mean? Like I get why other people might be like, wow, that movie was pretty fucking weird or dumb, but they had spoiler alert. One, two, three, four, five. They fucking had Mecha Godzilla, dude. They just snuck in Mecha Godzilla. Right, you can ask Jess. I figured that out in the very first trailer. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I forgot, I mean, but I remember I was like, I think Mecha Godzilla's in this. I think I did the one in the middle. I truly didn't watch any of the trailers for this. Mm-hmm. I had I never saw a trailer for it. But when they established early on that they had that whatever sound that was fucking making Godzilla be like, what's going on? What's happening out here? Why? Oh, I gotta go blow up some shit. Um, I was like, oh fuck, they're building Mecha Godzilla, aren't they? But I was like, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Well, maybe not. I mean, do we have time for a Mecha Godzilla? Yeah, we had time for yeah, a Mecha we have Godzilla, and it was glorious. <laughs> do we have oh. time in between all the new Hall Earth stuff we're oh, doing? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh. If they don't keep making these movies, I'm gonna be pissed. We got Hollow Earth now. I oh, don't. They're gonna make more. It made a lot of money. Even good. I'm going to go fucking see it in the movie theater. I'm going to go see it a second time. I got my second vaccination just so I can go to a movie theater safely to watch <laughs> Godzilla versus King Kong because my baby boy deserves to be seen on the goddamn big screen. So I had a very different experience with this film. You had a wrong experience, but go ahead. I had the only experience, which was what the hell is happening? So for any for backstory, I guess um, I really, really enjoyed the first Godzilla in this new monster universe. One of my favorite Godzilla movies of all time was the 2014 I, one. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I, I couldn't understand when people were complaining like, oh, we don't see them enough. No, no, it's oh. building tension mm-hmm. and scale. Because scale does not matter in Congress Godzilla. Scale, fuck that. No. But uh, Godzilla 1, I really, really enjoyed. I was pleasantly surprised by uh, Skull Island. I remember enjoying it. I, it was a I, fun movie. I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Um, that's where a lot of my joy leaves me because king of the monsters had some of the worst human characters yeah in any kaiju movie i've seen i think yeah. honestly yeah they also even the monster fights minus maybe the very last one most of the monster fights i didn't care for that's... oh sorry the one human character i liked died in uh, king of the monsters the one who that's sacrificed true. himself that's true yeah oh did you know the other asian guy in uh kong versus godzilla was his son they never mentioned it but it was his son the one who no. was in the, the the device that controlled mechagodzilla no really that was his that was supposed to be his son okay Remember i'm gonna be honest with that? you that's <laughs> fucked up that they didn't mention that yeah and also it's fucked up that his son would be doing this yeah fighting godzilla yeah no that's not what his father would want and i get we you know we, we're not all our parents but you know like that's a real slap in the face for it your takes dad. one scene for him to go he loved that dumb lizard more than me or something like that. Oh, that, that would have been good. Sense. That would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. It doesn't change. It's still a six-star movie for me. It does change. Um, because, <laughs> uh, like I said, one, or I don't say one and two, but Godzilla and Skull Island I thought were really fun movies. And then King of the Monsters came out. I didn't love it, but had some reasonable action, whatever. And then this movie, they drop Hollow Earth in like it's been built up since movie one. Like, we're just supposed to know what happened. No, they built it up from Kong, though. They they didn't talk about Hollow Earth in the first one, but they, they've been subtly talking about Hollow Earth since Skull Island. 
have they all right i guess i missed that because and especially the, the last one the last one they the the king of the monsters they they talked about they talked about hollow earth a lot like well, it was a theory it was a theory we didn't yeah. know it was real well but, here's where the movie broke me there's a scene before this when you go to hollow earth they need like a teleportation ship like this is a there's a wormhole it's like a gateway in the earth to mm-hmm. get to hollow earth mm-hmm. which okay fine sure. we're, we're doing that now sure. they get there he mentions uh scarsgard alexander scarsgard mentions how his brother was crushed yeah um, what what happened the um the change the in the movie, gravity they're just hanging out they, they the, the change in gravity caused the ship that he was in to fucking just crush under its own weight but they were in specially made ships that were supposed to be able to handle that gravity change. Which I will say, that's the one, those scenes I was like, I kind of wish I saw this in a theater, like right? IMAX. That's gonna if I saw good. those scenes in IMAX, that would have been pretty fun. Yeah. But here's where the movie broke me, where Godzilla gets to China and then just blows a hole into the earth. Yeah. I'm sorry. He have shot you- a hole mm-hmm. into the earth. Yeah, because it's hollow now, dude. Did you not? Because it's hollow. <laughs> Not a not a gateway, not a portal. He just shot a hole into it. He's the king. He's the fucking king. And if he wants to blow a hole in the middle of Hong Kong, which I'm not calling China, I'm taking a political <laughs> stance. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was weird. It was dumb. That was that, that was that silly. broke. I think that was the moment I was like, "Are you fucking serious?" That, I, when I saw right that too, right from the beginning, though, I was like, "Wait, last time we saw Godzilla, he was way bigger." <laughs> like. They they changed the size of Godzilla movie to movie. Is it movie? Because this one, because they did mention how Godzilla or Kong was getting bigger because he was still a, a teenager yeah. in Skull Island. That's but still, true. that's like, what, 30, 40 years in yeah. between? Um, yeah. That's, did Godzilla no. get smaller? <laughs> no, I think well, what might have happened, too, is in The King of the Monsters, he was... No, that was a separate episode now. This is like a whole separate episode. Hey, but truly, well, I'll cut it and I will make a whole special episode out of it um in king and the monsters he was basically supercharged which yes. i think kind of made him bigger at the and end he's not supercharged in this one so maybe that's the difference he is i mean what this happened is, to him in godzilla one he was still he was still growing he was just, still just grow. he was my baby. He <laughs> yeah was, he was growing you're right he was bigger <laughs> he was just a baby boy you don't know how big he was in the first one you never saw him <laughs> Oh god! I truly, I, I truly did. Like, I, one hundred percent agree with every critique you have of this movie. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 at no point did I think this was a well-written movie. Yeah, but that did not at any point stop me from having the hardest erection in in the world. This movie <laughs> fucking was amazing. I love it, and I can't wait to watch it again. I did like the Mega Godzilla fights. I did that. That was really. Oh my god! That and ending just, fight. Yeah. The fucking hokiness between Godzilla and Kong, and their like, their dominance with one another, and their fight. It was so well, stupid. It, it does kind of state that Godzilla is the winner, though. Oh God! Yeah, Godzilla yeah. is still the king of the monsters. Yeah, I did kind of like the. I thought they wouldn't make a winner. I'm glad they did because if that they movie ended, if that movie ended with Kong and Godzilla being equals. I would have walked out of my own fucking house. I, w- I would have been like, I- I'm not watching the rest of this. I would have just walked the fuck out. <laughs> Enough of this shenanigans. Anyway, speaking of shenanigans, let's get to what's happening in 
the dawn of X line. Well, we're in the reign of X now, right? We are in the reign of X. Soon we'll be at the gala. Woohoo! Summer, that'll be interesting. So let's kick things off with let's start with Marauders. Marauders number 19. So I have a theory that when any this happens to any writer, but anytime a writer is stretched a little thin writing multiple books, they all start lacking a little bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like this issue, not a bad issue, but it's lacking a little bit of a regular spark. The writer, uh, Gary Dugan, um, he is writing this. He's writing Cable. And he's, at this time, probably writing the, X, the new X-Men book that he's going to write. That'll That's be coming cool. out mm-hmm. in a few months. I think Cable's also period, done. He's probably done with Cable by now, too. But I think when he wrote this issue, most likely, timeline-wise, he was yeah, writing yeah. the other two books. I don't know Very if he has good. any other books right now happening. But if he does, anything past two books for any writer... You're gonna see things get stretched a little bit. Yeah, I've always noticed that with anyone. Um, I feel like this book was with that, where it's like this was fine, but it, nothing. It's probably in the lower end of the Marauders issues. That's been a consistently great book for the past. I felt. <clears throat> spoiler alert! I felt for this book similarly, but not as intensely as I felt for the Godzilla movie, which is uh, it's. The writing could be better. The plot could make a little bit more sense. But, man, we got Morlocks. You know, like the Morlocks saved the day, and I fucking like that. So So, let's get into it. The Reavers are still destroying the crappy parts of Madripoor, right? Yep. That's the thing. That's not the crappy parts. They're they're crappy parts because they're made crap. They're not getting the, the infrastructure or the funding that they need to be a good city. Yes. And the young Hellfire Club is watching all this happen, thinking that they got the mutants where they want them. The mutants can't publicly get involved or will cause an international incident. So what are the Marauders going to do? Kitty, well, actually, first, I really love how um, now Bobby and Pyro are just fire nice. They're going to do it their way. (laughs) Um, And while it's all happening, Kitty is going to the sewers to make a Kokoan gate so she can bring in the Morlocks. They're disgusting sewer <laughs> mutants, or used to be at least, are gonna help out this little this little town. I was very and, excited because one of the members of this Morlock team is Mero, and I, I think this is, might be the first time we've seen Mero in Krakoa, or at least uh, yeah, I think or so. at least have the like last a, time I saw Mero was in one of the later X Force runs. Mm, yeah. The last time I saw, I remember seeing Mero. I truly can't remember the last time I saw Mero, but. I was glad she was here. Well, there's one member of this group I have never seen before because their ability shocked the fuck out of me, but we'll get to that in a second. So the original Morlocks are trying to help out and fighting off all the Reavers. And then one of them, who kind of looks like Jean, I guess, to a degree, yeah, a little bit, yeah. opens her mouth, and I, I don't know what I'm looking at. It's like an alien. Like the movie yeah. Alien. Yeah, I guess. Imagine a, a more muscly colored version of Alien's mouth. This character is Xenomorph. This character's name is Bliss, and I meant to look more about her. I, I know she's not a new character. I just don't recall her backstory. Creeps the fuck out of me. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I legit had no idea this was going to happen. So yeah. when I saw her mouth open, have this other mouth come out, 
and then poison one of the Reavers. And this whole time, the Marauders are kind of hanging out on the boat. Well, Kitty, Iceman, and Pyro are hanging out on the boat. And then we see Bishop pop up with a gun to the back of the head of one of the other Hellfire Club kids. And kind of being like, just so you know, we're going to destroy this building. And I already turned off all security footage, so they don't even know I'm here. I This is probably my favorite part of the whole book, because I love Bishop just being a badass. Letting Bishop be Bishop is the best thing any book can do. Yeah. So I really love that moment. And having the kid run out and have the whole building explode, which kind of felt like, I hope there's no civilians nearby. <laughs> yeah. That was a thing. You're going to have to give it the uh, suspension of disbelief one there. Yeah. And then the book ends with the people, I guess this is technically Lowtown, right? Yes. You people of Lowtown uh, celebrating that the mutants helped them. They have money, they have security, and they're going to rename it. What was it? Mutie Town. Mutie Town. Which, all right, I guess that's not offensive. It's cool. I mean, I think, I think in this instance, it's it's fine. Oh, they, and also for any confusion, um, if the reason people didn't get mad at mutants were getting involved is because they, the public thinks it was sewer monsters. Yes, that's true. Yeah, they didn't. They, the reason they sent in the Morlocks is because the Morlocks can do it without really being an international incident they can get in get out nobody really knows nobody really sees them anyway and if they saw them they wouldn't recognize them as like x-men characters or anything you know like they wouldn't yeah. really, hey i've seen that person with the x-men before that's the un said not to do it and they lived in the sewers i did like the part though when they they get to low town through the gate that's in the sewer and fucking mask is like you fucking kidding me you fucking bringing us back to the sewer this is bullshit Yes, so I like again. I like this issue. I just thought it was lacking a little bit. It kind of felt a little, I guess, anticlimactic in a weird way. Like just a way to get from story A to story B. I agree. It it definitely was a let's find a way to quickly wrap up this low town being razed book, raised book, and let's uh, move on to something else. But I do like that they let Mar- Marrow be the uh, bartender. At the at the scene at the new mutant owned bar, and she gives the one lady who she the one girl who she and her father helped save Lockheed now is employed at the Muti bar. So that that's good. She has she has steady income coming in now at the what is what they define as the mutant owned hotel and bar. Yeah, I, so that probably did like, um, but I give it three X's. I gave it four because fuck God God bless the the Morlocks. Um, which one do you want to do next? Uh, I say let's move on to let's talk about legends. Cool. All right. <clears throat> so somebody forgot to put X Men Legends on his uh, pool list at his local comic shop. So yours, yours truly will be telling you about X Men Legends Yay. number two today, written by Fabian Nesza and art by oh what's his first name? Uh, Booth is the last name. Brett Brett Booth. Thank you. Okay. So when this is for, if you don't recall, if you're not following up. So before you do the recap, Mm -hmm. this is, it's going to be like every two issues is a different story and a different era of a famous writer. I don't know how many, yes, that's this. I don't know how, per how many issues though, but every, the, the X-Men legends will be X-Men legends in this like artisan writers getting to go back to a series 
that they penned in like the 80s, 90s, whatever, and tell a story that they didn't get to tell or got cut or they ran out of time or they thought of later that they wanted to do. It's basically they're going back to a different time and telling a story that fits in somewhere between the run that they had before. So this particular one, I forget where they say it fits in. Okay, this this story takes place after X-Men, the Jim Lee reboot, yeah. uh, single name X-Men, number 39. So, so this, this kind was, of book, you could do a whole series just based off Claremont stuff. There's little moments that he didn't finish writing in between arcs. Yes, and, and, I, and I appreciate as much as I love Chris Claremont and as much as I love the Claremont run, I'm, I, I appreciate that they didn't just take that low hanging fruit and just be like, oh, yeah. let Claremont tell a bunch of stories he didn't get to tell. Because one, Claremont's not as good of a storyteller as he used to be. No. Um, but I do appreciate that we're giving other very prominent and very important X-Men creators a chance to, to tell their stories first too. The next one's going to be Louise Simonson, which I'm really excited for. Yeah, I, I realized that about Claremont I don't remember when it was. It was a one shot about Nightcrawler from a few years ago. Mm, yeah, I was like, yeah. this was not good. <laughs> no, I still, and I, I have not read what, a couple years ago now it came out. I think the, um, the new mutants single thing that Chris Claremont did a couple years ago, war children or whatever the hell it was called. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, still, no, I have it. I still haven't read it though, but okay. So when last we left the summers brothers, and their father, Kosar, was, uh, how, do, how do I recap this better? Okay, so Adam X is hanging around. He, he finally figured out who he is. He's supposed to, he theoretically is the heir to the Shi'ar throne because of the way he was created. He was um, Deken, who was the Mad Emperor, basically, before Lulandra took over the Shi'ar Empire. Um he created Adam X and thus there's a, a group of fanatics to the Dekan, Deken, um legacy that wants Adam X to sit on the throne or yeah, right, Adam X to sit on the throne and not Lilandra or, or any of the Shi'ar that we think of as better Shi'ar. Um, he doesn't want to do it. He just wants to live his life, but he also realizes that he's being dragged into a fight one way or another. There's a bounty on his head and that is how Kosar and the Space Jammers, Star Jammers, Space Jammers, the Star Jammers get Space involved. Jammers. Space Jamming. Um, oh, wait, that is the thing. <laughs> Space Jam. That's when LeBron James comes in. Oh, that was um, a bad trailer. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit through that. I, I'm not doing it. This trailer was too much. Just seeing stills from the trailer. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? Why are the bad guys from Clockwork Orange? Why? In the background. Why? Like, and <laughs> I and kid I, understands that. Why and, should they? And I'm not, this is in no way me like taking the side of like quote unquote anti cancel culture or whatever, but you're going to take Pepe Le Pew, an actual Looney Tune, yeah. out of the Looney Tune movie, but instead insert characters that violently rape murder and and beat the shit out of um everyone in the movie that they're in yes so like for anyone who hasn't seen the movie clockwork orange it's in fucking tense yeah it's a very intense insane one of those movies you're like i did watch that 
Yeah. Probably never going to watch that again. Yeah. Like The book is incredible. I would read the book again in a heartbeat, but the... Ne- I don't know if I could ever watch that movie. For, for that rape scene alone, I don't know if I could watch it. If you know anyone who loves watching that movie repeatedly, don't talk to them anymore. You know what? Maybe... Uh... If you're a person who enjoys watching that movie more than more than a more than twice, let's say, um, talk to someone. Please, please, yeah. Call, yeah. Go on psychology psychologytoday.com. They have a therapy finder. You can just type yeah. in your zip code, find all the therapists in your area. You know, talk to somebody. It's good. Yeah. So when last we left, uh, the Star Jammers were trying to take in Adam X, shot him dead in the head. So we think, but before he did that. Kosar said, Alex, Scott, say hello and goodbye to your brother. So the spoiler is there that Adam X is somehow related to the Summers brothers. So we open up with him, with Adam X being dead. Scott and Alex are like, dude, what the fuck did you just shoot him in the head for? That's crazy. They're, they're having this, this fight with their dad. But do not worry. Adam, the most extreme, is fine. Because he was genetically engineered to withstand a, a shot in the head because all of his vital organs are hidden and changed differently. So his, <laughs> his brain, his brain, he says, is in his ass, basically. So I, I don't know if he's making a joke. I don't know if it's real, but he, would, he survived the shot in the head. All is forgiven because they realize, wait, really what we need to do is take care of Eric the Red and his minions who are trying to kidnap me and put me on the throne and and usurp Landra and all this nonsense. But before we can get to that, everyone wants an explanation. What the fuck do you mean he's our brother? How do we, how is he our brother? Alex doesn't really want an explanation because he's just happy to have a little brother. The number of times he says, Hey, I got a little brother. I can boss around now is insane. Um, so the story behind Adam X is he was genetically engineered from um, DNA from Deken and DNA from, uh, I forget their mother's name, but uh, Cosair's wife and, and Alex and, and Scott's mother. So yes. that is technically, he's technically their, their half yeah. genetically raised brother. So um, that is the backstory there. So they hatch a plan to to basically make Eric the Red and and this coven of of bad guys that is with him think that they are going to turn over Adam X because Eric the Red has Scott's grandparents held captive and he wants to make a trade. You give me Adam X, you can have these elderly folk. So that's what they arrange to do. They make the arrangement for the blue side of the moon which as anyone knows is a big thing in X-Men. Not only is it where they live now, I think, right? Don't they live on the blue side of the moon? The they do, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it's also, yeah, go ahead. it is also where the final battle in the Dark Phoenix saga takes place where the X-Men have to fight the, the Shi'ar Guardians and whoever wins gets Jean's life, basically. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of baggage for, for Scott, especially coming back to the blue side of the moon. They they meet Eric the Red and quickly unleash their plan. Adam is not actually in handcuffs. He jumps out. He goes 
the most extreme, as you might recall, Nick, he can ignite people's blood if it is if there's a scratch on them. Oh yeah, so I did he, forget go, that. he goes through all the coven and all of Eric the Red's people, and he's like fast moving, just slicing everybody real quick, and then he makes them all fucking basically feel like they're burning to death, and it's to the extent that even Alex and Scott were like, "Dude, that's pretty fucked up." Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I know, I don't like to do it." <laughs> so. <clears throat> At this point, they've gotten rid of them, and now they have a parlay with, with Leandra and, and the Guardians of the Shi'ar Empire, and they basically come to the conclusion, it is too dangerous for Adam X to be out there. He, he represents too much of a threat to Lilandra. He represents too much of a threat to Earth. Wherever he is, he's never going to live in peace, and anyone around him is going to be in danger. So their wonderful plan is to basically use Oracle, who is a, a telepath, as we've learned recently, not as powerful as, as Jean Grey, but she's still powerful. Oracle basically mind wipes everybody. And so they have no recollection of this, learning that who he is. Even he has he is left with very little understanding of where he comes from as well. So they say goodbye as a family. It's pretty hokey. It's pretty stupid. Uh, they go back and Adam X basically goes to live on that farm that we saw him open up the last issue with. And he, he goes to be a farm hand. He helps around there because the, that kid that he met in the first issue, his dad is, is basically on bed rest. He's, he's injured himself. So Adam X is going to be there to, to help out, fix up the farm, do everything. And we end with one of the stupidest but most 90s thing that could ever happen. So the ending, I'm going to describe it to you. We pan out of the farm. There's, um, he's narrating himself about how he feels better now. As we pan out, all of a sudden we notice the farm. We're seeing the farm on a screen. And we see Sinister's hands. Sinister's, there's a Summer Brothers. He's keeping an eye somehow on the Summer's Brothers. But then we pan out again. And somebody's watching Sinister. <laughs> and we, I don't know who it is. It is honestly, there is? Yeah. It looks like Eric the Red's hand to me, but I don't know how it would be. Can you see it at all? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. So I, I don't know who that character is. We don't, we don't find out. But I'm going to take a screenshot of this and send it to you. We get an awesome Summer's family tree. That oh you, god that, that you might find useful so that's gonna be interesting i'm gonna screenshot that and send it to you but uh overall it was it was an interesting book um i gave it i ended up giving it four x's because I, i'm a sucker for shiar mm-hmm. um is one of the few times it a book has made me kind of like adam x in a way so yeah Overall, I gave it four X's. Okay, so next up we have Sword number four, part of the King in Black tie-in. So we see uh, new names. Frenzy? Frenzy has been around for a while, but I haven't seen her in a long time. No, no, no. I just don't remember her name. I was trying to remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Frenzy. Yep. Yeah. Frenzy has this image of being in the dark void. So in the actual storyline of King and Black, all the main characters have been getting possessed by the Venom symbiont have been like imagining this deep void that you can't escape, like this void of despair and everything. Mm-hmm. While 
Null controls your body and controls all the symbionts and the giant connected venom verse, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're experiencing right now, which sucks. And that optimized uh, kid cable is very dangerous, surprisingly. So he straight up killing people like Cortez and uh, Sunfire. Yeah. <clears throat> and while Manifold is kind of just like, well, shit, we're in trouble. And from what there's, we haven't really, you don't see it, but they're basically saying Krakoa has fallen too, like everywhere else. Because if you're reading the actual King and Black story, you'll see most everything's been taken over already. Like at this point in the story, I think Eddie is just fighting back the symbiont because he's trying to gain control. I was going to ask what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, if you, if you want to go well, into the what oh, the, yeah. what the well, fuck well, is Eddie? Well, what is happening with Eddie Brock right now? Where is fucking who is is there a carnage right now? I, I'm so far out of Spider-Man comics. What the fuck is Peter Parker doing? Aren't there like 17 Spider-Men now? Where are they at? Like what the fuck's going on? Um, quick answer, Carnage. There's a whole storyline called Absolute Carnage. I saw I remember that. I mean, I didn't Carnage read it. was I trying to prime the world for Null's arrival. Um, okay. And they beat him. Eddie has been trying to fight off the coming danger of Null because his son has symbiont DNA and he okay. can actually kill symbionts. He's like an automatic anti-venom. He's the MacGuffin right now in the story. Oh shit, is he anti-venom? Is he is is He's that not actually anti-venom? Yeah, sorry, oh. anti-venom is actually a thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so anti- is, is the last been... anti-venom was Flash Thompson. That's so what he, I thought. Okay. I rem- that's died, the last I remember. Yeah, he died at the end of Dan Slot's run. Yeah. Um, and actually, where I am in King and Black, Eddie just met him in in Symbiont Heaven. Basically, that's a, that's the best way to explain it. Because basically, when when Eddie went to attack Null, Null just grabbed him by the neck, reabsorbed the Symbiont, and chucked Eddie off a building. And Eddie fell into a uh, car and died. So, like that—that's literally what happened. <laughs> how does Eddie Brock go to Symbiont Heaven if he doesn't have a Symbiont? Because he was connected for so long, he's so just long. part of his DNA. Yeah. Yeah. So like he's on life support while former symbionts are trying to tell him how to control the actual collective. Mm. That's where I am right now in the story. Okay. Uh, Spider-Man just kind of he's watching Eddie's son because Eddie might be dead. And he's basically telling him, like, hey kid, whatever you want to do, I'll have your back. Like, don't mm-hmm. let any of these big wigs push you around. Like, whatever you feel comfortable with, that's what we're gonna do. Okay. So if you want to go out there and fight off the bad guy, cool. If you want to go run, we'll run. So I kind of like that. And cool. I think there's only three Spider-Men right now. Yeah, who, okay, so we got Miles. Miles is in the 616 now, right? Yeah, and Gwen. Is Gwen Spider-Man is, there too? Okay. Is Ghost Spider now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. And I guess Silk, if you want to count Silk, she's a Spider-Man character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Silk is... I forgot Silk was in a main, the main universe now. Okay. Yeah. Actually, now I'm... <laughs> Ben Riley is actually this is still a thing. What the fuck, Ben Riley's back? He's been back since the middle of Dan Slot's run. I do not remember that. Uh, it was called the Clone Conspiracy. He came back. Oh fuck, I do remember that. <laughs> so that's five. We are so you're close to six. But I didn't realize. I didn't realize he was still around. I guess I do remember yes. that they they fucked around with the the Clone Saga again. Yeah, and a pretty good story. It was a fucked up story, but a good story. Um, that was like to me the last good dance slot story where I'm like, I think it's time to wrap it up. I dude, every time I tried, I was going through my comics this weekend, as as you know, because I sent you a million pictures. Yes. Um 
I came across so many of like the old Spider-Man runs of like when this Scarlet Spider shit and all that stuff. Um, but then I, I came across like a good chunk of superior Spider-Man books. I tried to give a chance to, and I'm like, I fucking hate this shit. I, I love superior Spider-Man. I so fucking much. did not like it, but I'm I reading. I have ideas for a Spider-Man podcast, but that's a conversation for another day. Oh, I'm uh, I'll, I will listen to that. Yeah, I had I had some fun ideas and actually had a whole breakdown. I was gonna send you. I'm like, I'll wait till he gets back from his trip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can tell me about it whenever. But yeah, yeah I'm yeah. down. I'm down for it. Yeah, I'm currently, fun. I'm currently, I'm currently catching up with Nick Spencer's Spider-Man run, which yes. I'm five issues in, and I gotta say, this is one of the best Spider-Man Spider-Man books I've read in a while. Mm. I'm really enjoying Nick Spencer. And I on I started rereading Maximum Carnage, not Maximum, yeah, yeah, Maximum, maximum Carnage, yeah, yeah, yeah. I started rereading Maximum Carnage because I have there is a Minimum Carnage. That's a real book. Shut the fuck up. Is there really? That's a real thing. It was a storyline where <laughs> Carnage fought um, Ben Riley Spider Man. Oh, okay, okay. And it's called a Minimum Carnage because they were all shrinking. <laughs> I'm that serious. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I don't how do I fucking love Spider-Man so much? Like this is like this is why I come in and out of Spider-Man so much. Cause sometimes it, Spider-Man inherently is a ridiculous thing. Like all of, of the course. characters in Spider-Man are I'd say it's more ridiculous than X-Men as far as like suspending your disbelief in in the 90s shit. for sure. Yeah. You know, like I mean, there's a character called the lizard, the vulture, the scorpion, you know, like they're frogman. Yeah, it's exactly. They're pretty. It's pretty fucking stupid if you really sit and think about Spider-Man <laughs> or any comic for that matter. Yeah, Speaking probably. of ridiculous comics, we're still on oh, yeah, sword, and <laughs> um, right now, while Krakoa is being attacked, Wizkid and Abigail are trying to figure out what's going on. And I like this peek into Abigail's character because mm-hmm. when she's talking to Hope about their contingency plan about using the five and getting at least half of the mutant DNA from Sinister's lab and all this stuff. She blatantly says, I, I don't consider myself a human or a mutant. I am an earther. No, no, no. She That's, views them as earthers. She doesn't sorry, care yeah, them as earthers. Yeah. She's, a she's so detached. Yeah. She's so detached in her view of being the space person that like, I guess in a way she thinks she's above all this petty stuff. I and guess, they're yeah. dealing with their problem. I guess she's looking at it in a very analytical way. That's for sure. Yeah. And Hope does not like that. So while Hope and Abigail are debating about the best way to save humanity, Wizkid teleports into the catacombs where they're hiding and turns Mentalo's machine into a mech. Yeah. Which is awesome. Oh, that's fine. But my Godzilla shit is too much for you. Yes, it is. Okay, that's fair. because I am a Power Ranger guy. Yeah, and this turning into a X Men Megazord is pretty awesome. Hey, is that what it is, or is this more of a Gundam situation? I would. Mm, I'm gonna go with Megazord. But nothing came together. It's just that it was already together, and then it turned into a thing. Yeah, it's more of a transformer. It's more of a transformer. That's fair. It is more of a transformer. Yeah, it's more of a transformer. Because Gundams don't really transform. Often. That's true. They don't transform either. Yeah. yeah. So we have that moment, which I absolutely loved. And then it is fun. really a payoff to that single issue we had all about Manifold. Oh, yeah. Because this fight scene I thought was awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, 
when we were making fun of the idea, when he kept saying, I'm not a teleporter, I'm not a teleporter, mm-hmm. this is a payoff to that comment. Yes, this is exactly this. They heard our podcast and they're like, oh, yeah. I'll tell these motherfuckers what's up. We have a few great chase moments in these panels, some really nice art actually throughout the whole issue where Cable thinks he has the upper hand. And then he is, if I remember correctly, waiting for um, Frenzy to pop out of her shell and attack and rip oh, off Kid Cable's metal arm so he can't time jump anymore or time slide, body slide. Body slide. And in that moment, Manifold explains his power again. That he's not a teleporter. He is communicating with the universe. And doing so, he takes a piece of a sun yep. and puts it in his hand as my girlfriend looks at me with his crazy face. Uh, <laughs> and he goes all Street Fighter on him. I was gonna say like like um, Super Saiyan like Dragon Ball Z. Oh, that's probably like, yeah. Just energy ball in his hand, burning off all the uh, symbiont stuff from Cable. That sold me on the issue, and that was fucking awesome. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, so I love that. And then Cable wakes up. Oh, sorry. Before all that to ward off other mutants the new whiz kid uh mech or transformer bot does blast music because uh sound waves also hurt symbionts yeah which i love while so the other a... mutants just party out yeah the five are having a dance party yeah this is, why not and when they look i don't know if this takes place in this moment or it takes place at the end of the king and black event but everything's fine with Kokoa now, like for the most part. Yeah, I don't know if everything's fine with the rest of the world, but they yeah. they definitely defended Kokoa. Yeah, which is really all that matters to them. Um, and then I love the way Magneto holds uh, Cortez's skull. Yeah. Like a weird Shakespearean thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very, very Hamlet esque. Yeah, thank you, Hamlet. And then they're talking about immediately bringing back. Cortez and Sunfire to help out. Yes, and he, he the the closing lines of the book is tell the five to resurrect Fabian Cortez. He and I have matters to discuss. Yes, and as I remember correctly, I think this is the book that mentions having a meeting with the council. Yes, about amending the second rule. Yep, the second rule for those who don't remember. Do you want to tell them or do you want me? Do you I remember? don't remember. Okay. The, the second rule is kill no, kill no man, kill no human. Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah. And of course, Magneto wants to talk about that rule yep. and maybe change some things. I love the little note that Charles leaves him. Like, so he's, so Eric sends a, a memo basically to the council saying, I'd like to call a, a, a meeting at the earliest convenience, please. And Charles and he says why, which is what you just said. And then Charles writes a little note on the memo. While there's no technical reason not to grant your request for this meeting, I strongly urge you to reconsider. Yeah. It's playing with fire, old friend. Yeah, that's a nice little like we're going back to exactly what happened before. Let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Like not killing humans is one of our main laws. Is uh, it's kind of keeping us together, keeping us in check. <laughs> And it's keeping the, you know, the rest of the world um, from thinking that we're trying to take over. Yeah. They already think it. Um, that's dangerous. And I really like this issue. Like, I think, like I mentioned before, I had a nice little payoff. 
mm-hmm. to a lot of moments I've been building up. Yeah, definitely. Where I think lesser writers definitely will just let those moments stay the way they were and not really expand on it. Mm-hmm. This one issue, issue four, actually gives you a payoff to like three different stories. Yeah, and 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 for that too, to to do that in what's essentially essentially a fucking um tie-in you know what i mean like yeah, they, yeah. in a tie-in yeah like he it not only tied into the greater story of king and black but it also like just made sense on an x-men level yeah. and it's clearly propelling an x-men storyline now which is magneto saying i think we need to talk about new laws here you know like so it's not like it's going to be a thing which we were afraid of in the beginning which was tie an issue and then back to reality and nothing happened we don't even talk about why everybody was a symbiote all of a sudden you know like yeah there's clearly a a, a fallout from this and this cool. book will be um influenced by another book later they announced i think earlier this week they announced this book will be crossing over with the guardians of the galaxy book oh cool of course it will be called um the last annihilation hmm so if you if readers know about the there's there's been two annihilation storylines in the cosmic yes. line of uh, Marvel comics. So this is called the final or the last annihilation, something like that. Because the same writer is writing both books. Oh, Al Ewing's so, doing the Guardian too. Yeah. Okay. So I might I might jump into that book and see how it is. I always like the Guardians books in general. Yeah. But so maybe I'll be able to give a different point of view from reading both books. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How many so, X's? Uh, I give four X's. I gave it four X's too. It was yeah. a good book. Especially for me, like I had no idea what the fuck's going on in the King of Black story, obviously. I mean, I do yeah. if I don't know if it will make it into the show, but you just heard how I have no clue what's happening anywhere in the Marvel universe. So <laughs> I certainly don't have any idea what's happening here. All right. So that brings us to our final book of the week, which is Excalibur number 20, written by Teeny Howard, drawn by Marcus Tao. And I will say, you don't read Excalibur anymore, right? You didn't get this one? I have not. I've not. Okay. No. This might be my favorite issue so far of Excalibur mm-hmm. and maybe my favorite of the books we're reading this week. So Good. when for you, because listeners who are reading the book re- remember where we left off, but for you, we left off with uh, Betsy Braddock being um, possessed by Malice and Kowanin and the, rex- the rest of Excalibur helped get malice out of uh captain britain's body and then malice in her temporal form flew through a gate and we have no idea where she is so the book opens with a flashback to long how do they put it way back when so we don't really know what time but it's a young a young alice oh i don't remember what her last name is now but a young alice who's coming home late at night in in a small town in England. And her mother's very upset and very worried about where she's been. And she's not, Alice is like, leave me alone, mom. I fucking hate you. You know, very teenage angsty staying up all night. And then she tells her mom, I fucking wish I was dead. Basically. She's like, I don't even want to be alive anymore. She goes in the room and slams the door. And a little bit later, her mom tries to bring her some toast and, and tea. And she discovers that Alice is dead on the floor. And she's trying to like call out to her daughter and say, what's wrong, Alice, wake up, wake up. No, no, don't, you didn't really mean it. And then off to the side is ghost Alice, basically. Like her, her mutant power took form and her 
spirit basically left her body and now that's her mutant form and so she's just like my mom can't hear me i don't know what's going on i don't really fucking like my life anyway and she takes off and that's the origin of alice mcallister oh my god her fucking last name is mcallister alice mcallister (laughs) i like seeing you realize that (laughs) because i didn't say it out loud the last time you know what i mean like saying it out loud i'm like oh for fuck's sake um and so that is malice and then we get a little data page about malice and like some of the other people that she's infected over the years and blah 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 so the book opens with betsy uh briefing the council on what's happening and saying that yes there is there is an issue with malice but i think we should um i don't think we need to punish her i think she is in pain and i think we need to reach out to her and charles after the meeting basically says to her we have a prison no he says i don't believe in prisons but i think she needs you know i think she needs to go into the into Krakoa and be stasis she's hurt mutants she's a danger and that's what we have to do and Kowanin and, and Betsy are both like yeah that sounds like a prison that you just said you are in support <laughs> of like a detention center yeah like it sounds like Guantanamo um and so all the while the, the two of them Kowanin and Betsy who famously know what it's like to have their bodies possessed or not in control of their own bodies are like no this she needs help Let's try to help her first. And all the while, Emma then comes into this conversation and Emma's like, ah, oh, I think you got, I think they're right. I think we should just let it go, blah, blah, blah. And then Psylocke out of nowhere daggers her with her, uh, what's it called? Teleca- the, the she, how do they always say it? The totality of her psychic force or whatever. <laughs> um, she makes the psychic knife and stabs Emma right in the throat. And we find out that they knew they could tell Emma was being possessed by malice. And so malice gets trapped inside of this uh, psychic knife that, that Psylocke made. So now she's basically bound to this, this thing. And so now we have another debate. What do we do? Do we just is throw Psylocke her in? Still dressed like Captain Britain? Captain Britain is Cap. No, Captain Britain's back. So Betsy Braddock is Captain Britain. Okay. And Psylocke is Kiwanin. Gotcha. Okay. I, I kept imagining two women dressed exactly the same. In the room. Yeah. And, and they're, they're the same. They're, and they're still the same people. And they just go back and forth. No, they're different people now, finally. So um, they again have this philosophical debate. What the fuck do we do? We have this, we have her trap now. Do we throw her in a pit with Sabretooth? Or what do we do? Betsy's like, just give, just give me a chance. Just give me a chance to reach her. If it doesn't work, then we'll do it your fucking way, Charles. And so she goes to Rogue and Jubilee and, and Kiwanin comes along too. And they say, here's our plan. We need to reach her. So Kiwanin and, and um, Betsy telepathically go into this, the astral plane. Let's just make it easy. They go into the astral plane. They find, um, they find Alice at this point because she's in the astral plane. She's in her regular body and she's sulking. She's at this nightclub sulking in the astral plane because that's the, basically the last place she was as, as a, a living person. And she has this, again, angsty teenage conversation with Betsy as Betsy's like, Krakoa is for all mutants. You have a chance here. Come back with me. You, you have a chance to start over. I know how you feel. One, you just possessed me. I know what it's like to not have control of my body. 
two, uh, I was in my spirit was in another person's body for uh, 15 fucking years or whatever that was. Um, and, and third, she's like, I'm not in my original body anymore. This is a body that was created from Krakoa that they put my consciousness in. You can have a body now. You can have a body back. You don't have to be like this. All and good she, points. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And she's trying to fight with her. And there's a big fight scene. And then we get to the, the climactic moment where she's starting to possess Kawanin now. Malice is starting, like she's angry and that like, you know, that choker thing that comes around their neck when Malice is in charge of them starts appearing. And at that moment, Betsy then uses her psychic knife to cut it. And basically now she has no connect. Malice has no connection to do that thing. She's stuck. She's, mm. she's left no alternative, but to come back to be resurrected, they killed her. Mm. So they resurrect her. Um, it's when she comes back alive, it's Kawanin, Charles, Betsy, and Emma. And again, Alice is like, I don't even want to be alive. Why'd you guys bring me back? I don't want to do this. I want to die. I don't want to be, just put me in your fucking hole. Why are you guys arguing? I, I'm a bad person. Just throw me away. And Betsy's like, no, you have another chance. This is your land too. And they go and she looks out on Krakoa with Alice and it ends with her saying, it's a fresh start. No one can promise it won't hurt like hell, but I've certainly had enough of my own. This is yours. And it ends with Alice wrapped in a blanket because she was just born. <laughs> And looking out onto a beautiful sunset in Krakoa, just gorgeous. And yeah, this is like the first time this character has a chance not to be a bad guy. Like it was one of those things where it's like, oh man, this is the fun things they can do with, with the new yeah. world, which is somebody who was a bad guy can be a good guy now because like they were misunderstood or they were angry and lashing out, but now they have a home. They were lashing out because they didn't have a home. Now they have a home. Like, this is her chance. Like I just that feel good nature of it was just like, I fucking yeah. love it. I gave it five X's. I thought it was a wonderful way to tell the story. I thought it was great to make malice become a person with a physical body. I wonder if she'll be, I like, I really want to see them teach her how to use her powers now without causing her to never be able to go back into her body. I think that'd be really interesting. So I really liked um, it. Excalibur 20 is great your description i want to go back and read that i think you should it's a really good like you don't need to even know that much about what's happening in excalibur it's 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 a good standalone story about basically redemption it's really good it's a really good story well on that note happy it's a it's a good issue next time we will be talking about uh nope that's the wrong book okay so for here's what i got i got remaining we got children of the atom two yes sword five yes way of x one and i believe you said the new wolverine and wolverine yep okay so guys thank you for supporting us thank you for continuing to subscribe and like and review but guess what it's not good enough we need more every time you end turning heel on these people yes because they need to know what's up they need to tell all their friends uh, accost someone on the street all right, go to them and say you over there with the hat. I don't. I don't. Podcast. I don't support this, and it, we're still in a pandemic. If I don't support people walking up to people. Car, sneak in, take a quick peek, 
and then start playing this podcast. So like, what's that noise? And they hear our voices and they, it's in their head and you tell them, check it out. It's I support it. that. I support yeah. that. If the door is ajar, they're just letting you in. Yeah. It's not, it's not breaking and entering at that point. Yeah. It's just entering. This is entering. Exactly. So <laughs> also don't do any of that. Please. Also not famously. We're not lawyers. So don't take we're our not, I mean, speak for yourself, but also I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. So I, I'm speaking for both of us. Cause I am fully aware you're not a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh in the future we still have hopefully episode 50 we can rank all of the x-men films that that's coming up soon i think god what uh, number are we on now 40 something i think so Good wouldn't it be great i mean i post these things every fucking week you think i know yeah. episode 38 so this is we're recording 39 right now all right sweet and um yeah our next story single story based episode i think is going to be inferno so i'll yeah. start reading that this weekend and that will happen eventually send me yeah send me which titles are in that or take a picture of the back so i know yeah, I'll take a picture. Yeah. uh All where right. can they find you on the internet though man they can find me and jiving over on twitter at madman 3005 and i am also um on twitter and I can be found at Xbrarian. It's librarian with an X. That's really clever. John. Thank you. I appreciate it. You should. Appreciate I, I don't think anyone gets it. And I, and I, I like, it's I, subtle. It's, it's subtle. Exactly. It's, it's, it's subtle like a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? It's real, it's real subtle. <laughs> and you know what, guys? If you have ideas for fun titles for a Spider Man podcast involving me and Josh, I want to hear them. I, I, I'm curious what people, I have some ideas that I'm going to send Josh this weekend. All but right. uh, I had one idea already, but okay. Yeah. No <laughs> All right, guys. So until then, we will see you next time.